Do you ever hear someone quote the Bible verse correctly, but their hermeneutics are so atrocious that it is so out of context that it becomes heresy? Let's look at some popular verses taken out of context and talk about what they really mean on an all-new podcast from C28. Well, that was a mouthful. That was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> you only practice it like once. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was surprised that you got it all in there. Before. <laughs> <laughs> Actually twice. The I first like, time I didn't make it. The second time we got it and then we recorded the third. <laughs> For sure. The music was going to have to loop again, but it didn't. You did it. That was pretty cool. Yeah. So I feel like I owe everyone an apology from last episode. <laughs> one thing, one thing, uh, I, I missed my cue. <laughs> <laughs> when when we started and there was this awkward silence because I didn't say anything <laughs> and Brian's like we're live <laughs> so I apologize for that and also I believe that uh, my case of severe allergies may have turned into a sinus infection so yeah I'm do you want to give any details of that dealing I don't know I don't think I should yeah it's pretty bad so I'll, I'll spare them the details yeah um but if you don't worry he's taking care of though he, he rubbed like eucalyptus on his <laughs> lip before he went to bed <laughs> That was a big remedy. <laughs> no, anyways, I, I'm sorry if you hear me sniffle or cough or clear my throat or something. But yeah. It's been uh, quite the workout to stay in the office with this. <laughs> oh my God. I noticed your door's been closed here. a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Can't do it. Just tr I'm trying to be gracious, but like. <laughs> trying to learn Hebrew with a sinus infection makes some weird sounds. <laughs> so uh, today. Like you said in the intro, we're talking about uh, verses that are taken out of context or misused. Um, but before we get to that, a quick shout out to Will Cook yeah. for being our newest Patreon um, supporter. Yeah. Nice. So we got a hat headed his way. Yeah. I, I think the cool thing is, is that I think we haven't really had any new Patreon uh, subscribers recently. And then all of a sudden we got kind of two in a row. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Lemley yep. came in big for us and That's then, right. uh, Will Cook came in big for us. And so, uh, we do have, um, something running right now. We got, uh, our local, uh, kind of fishing tackle bait and everything you can imagine store in town has been hooking us up with, uh, some pretty good deals on hats. And so, uh, if you become a patron subscriber of what, what would we say? Any amount, any amount, Man, any amount that is generous. I know for a limited time, <laughs> yeah. uh, that we, way we can stop doing it anytime. <laughs> we'll mail you a hat. So, um, anyways, if you, if you've ever thought about becoming a uh, Patreon uh, supporter, mm -hmm. uh, now's the time. So yeah, I will make sure and include that link for those of you who've been thinking about it and you're like, you know what, if I do it now, I get a hat. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. So. Yeah. I mean, one less gallon of gas per month, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, it I mean, used to be Starbucks, yeah. but now gasoline's more expensive yeah. than Starbucks. We're like, we're like, drink your coffee. Just right. Yeah. yeah. We don't compare it to that anymore. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, some, you know, our, I think our biggest, uh, patron subscribers, how much? 50? I think it's 50. Okay. I want to say something like yeah. that. And then, and we got, so we got 150. I think we got a 125er and then, we got a good couple, you know, $5. And that's really like the bread and the, butter, the bread and butter of, of how we're going to get by is, uh, those people deciding, Hey, I can't afford much, right? but yeah, I'll, uh, group my trips together and drive a little less and <laughs> throw in five <laughs> bucks, or maybe I won't get Starbucks, you know, for a day or two and, uh, and give these guys five bucks. And, uh, so CJ, tell us a little bit about where those funds go, just for those who are thinking that we're like eating candy bars in here with it. 
I mean, not with that, but we are eating. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of burritos. So a, if we're going to yeah, be serious. There's, there's a lot of food that gets eaten in this <laughs> yeah. office. Well, shout out to Ion Tacos who take our text message orders. <laughs> They're like, oh, the usual. <laughs> yeah, they do. They, I know. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Oh, it's good stuff. Um, no, small town. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're like we've been talking about, uh, we are moving to become an official nonprofit. Um, and so that does have some expenses that go along with the process of becoming a nonprofit. So uh, we have almost enough now to do that. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And it kind of um, rose out of, we were just going to kind of do this little gig with kind of the equipment that we had here. And then we had a little bit of, um, uh, let's see, constructive, uh, loving, um, pressure to maybe upgrade a couple things. Like, Your mics suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's what's in please, the mail. Please stop using that microphone. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, we, it takes a little bit of money and and we thought patrons a good way to go because it can be such a small amount, but enough people at a small amount really does help. And, uh, our goal we stated in the very beginning was to start out with just doing like a podcast here and there, maybe like once a month doing a podcast. And we ended up doing a little bit more than that. And, uh, our goal in the end would be to get to doing weekly podcasts. And so, we're smart. We've done this before. We've overcommitted before. And so we tried not to do that. And so mm-hmm. we're working our way towards doing once a week. And part of the process of that is being able to leave this equipment up um, because it does take about an hour to uh, set up and take down. So uh, we can save that hour if we can just uh, leave this stuff set up. And we happen to have a good old garage that we're going to cut in half that the church owns. And we're going <laughs> to just throw some sheetrock up and throw some plugs in it. We're going to rehabilitate it. Yeah, oh yeah, right. that's pretty bad. It is bad. There's there's a good maybe four studs that aren't even touching the ground anymore yeah. because of rot and termites and stuff. Yeah. So, so, so we need to repair it anyways, but we're going to put a little facelift on it so that we can record in it. Right. Get a little bit better equipment. Yeah. I think this microphone stand I'm using is actually for like a drum microphone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know like why that. you got that, dude. It, I, it works really well. It does. But the only thing I don't like about it is that it takes up a lot of room right here because the arm's not very long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, of course I know what you mean. That's why I have this one. Well, I know the actual podcast stand. (laughs) I don't make lead pastor money, so I have to use this one, Brian. I don't know what to do with that $70 a month more I get than you. (laughs) Oh no. So So, anyways, the garage will become a dedicated media studio. And then that's why I'm going to keep calling it. Yeah. And and our tax friend. So that's part of the money goes to that, uh, what CJ generously calls the uh, dedicated media studio. Which will be a garage that we can leave our stuff. You got to see the potential. Yeah. No, it'll be good. And then the, the other part of the money uh, goes towards uh, people who have donated. One of our tax friends comes up and is like, "Hey, you got you're not doing things quite right. You got to do this and that." And we're like, "Okay." And that takes about you know a couple, well, se- several, several hundred dollars to complete that. So we're going to do that. Yeah. And you know, we did notice we are at eighty seven dollars a month right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just complete transparency. And we were and we were thinking today it'd be kind of cool if we could get up to a hundred. So if a couple more people pitch in, um, I think that we can get there. You know, three, four, five people pitch in yeah. five dollars a month, and then we're we're there, and uh, and that'll be that'll be good. We're really close to having enough to get the nonprofit yeah. status. Yeah, because that's what I mean. The estimated was like five hundred ish, something like that. Yeah, to get that. So we're getting yeah. there. We're getting pretty close. Yeah. Um, so that would be great. Yeah, hoping to have that done by the end of the year. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good update. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're talking about, uh, verses that are taken out of context. Why would you want to do an episode like this, Brian? Well, I think, okay. So that's a good question. There's several reasons. One is there's very important verses that are taken out of context and it drives me bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, 
it's, it's kind of like my my professional job to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. And it's every Christian's job to constantly make sure that doesn't happen. So it's like it's like somebody watching somebody use a ratchet the wrong way, but in their job as a mechanic, it would just drive them nuts. Yeah. And so I think part it's of like it is like sweeping with the wrong end of the broom. Yeah. And then and also I think it reveals like the danger in just trying to take little snippets out of context and apply them however you want. Pretty soon you're so far from the truth. It is heresy. But the Bible verse of the day that I get in my phone. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Bible app. Yeah, it makes me feel better. I'm sure so it does. Is that wrong? Because it's out of context? Yes, it is wrong okay. if it's out of context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, I think... But so, the plans he has for me are to make me <laughs> prosper. <laughs> yeah. If people would humble themselves and they would... <laughs> So that anyway. was about America. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it wasn't about America, but God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So, but you know, you, you have to put it in context still. Okay. So right. um, I think that. I think we made our point. Sure. It, it's important. And, and we're not going to really go through the Bible study methods portion of this, but. Um, there is a good episode on that though. There is a good episode. You should go listen to it. In fact, our last episode, um, I want to be surprised if it's in our top five episodes on on uh, on people who have downloaded it, because it's it's a question we've been asked so much. And then when, we, when people heard that we were going to do an episode called Denominations, they were like, oh, I'm so glad you're doing that. Like, I've had these same questions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, All right. Yeah. We'll take a listen. Yeah. yeah it's good. And, and um, probably the Denominations episode, which was last episode, yeah. um, was probably... Uh, one of the most where when I got into it, I realized like it's such a huge topic. There's so many things I want to talk about. You know, I want to talk about different religions. I want to talk about uh, the Reformation. I want to talk about the transition from essentially uh, Peter to the Catholic Church, how we get there or how we didn't get there. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and th- things like that. But we just kind of really tried to, we like right at the beginning of the episode, we're like, just bring it down. Like, like, uh, tell it to me like I'm a fifth grader. Like, mm-hmm. what are these denominations? And so we try to do our best just to really stay fundamental on it. Yeah. And then so this one, like, let's take some verses. Let's talk about them. And uh, CJ, why don't you start us off? Oh, okay. All right. So the first one that I'm going to look at is, hold on a second. I got to open my ESV study Bible. Yeah. The best study Bible. Trust me. Is probably on the market right now. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um. All right, let me open this up real quick. And We're like there, twins. There, trust me, there's a reason that I uh, that I specifically brought this Bible with me today. So, because you feel super spiritual carrying a heavy Bible. Well, it is the ESV Heirloom Edition. Well, so what, what kind of leather you got on it's there? It's goatskin. <laughs> I knew it. It's goatskin leather. Yeah. Um, it was bound in Italy, I believe. Um, the the paper was printed in. No, no, the, print, the paper was the, printed. The paper was milled in France. Uh huh. Um, and I, I can't remember the, the, the Netherlands are in there also for something that has to do with this Bible. That Anyways, that's a bougie Bible. It, it is. It was limited. Edition. Is that what it's called? The bougie Bible? It's called the ESV heirloom study yeah. Bible. Anyways, <laughs> enough about it. Um, but the contents are the same as any ESV study Bible. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to, uh, use this for a specific reason when looking at these passages, okay. I'm going to make a point. So, Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start in Philippians two. Uh, verses 1 through 11. So it says this. um, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, 
um, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Mm. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I want to do is uh, read out of this study Bible here, um, because what we see oftentimes is that people take verse 7, and it says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. They say that he emptied himself, um, and they'll say he emptied himself of his deity, so of his godness, of his, of his essence, and became fully man. This is called kenosis for a technical term. Um, and this is used to justify things like uh, raising people from the dead as being valid for today or possible today for Christians. Um, they will say that anything that Jesus did we can also do because he didn't do it as God because he emptied himself. He did it as a man in right relationship with God. This is popular with uh, Bethel Church in Reading and uh, pastors like Bill Johnson. Um, if we look at something as simple as a study Bible, so not even a commentary, not a theology book necessarily, um, we will see notes like this. I'm just going to read it, okay? Mm-hmm. So for verse 7, emptied himself has occasioned much controversy. The Greek word can mean empty or pour out or also metaphorically give up status and privilege. Does this mean that Christ temporarily relinquished his divine attributes during his earthly ministry? This, this theory of Christ's kenosis or self-emptying is not in accord with the context of Philippians or with early Christian theology. Notice, not in accord with the context, right? The context of Philippians. Paul is not saying that Christ became less than God or gave up some divine attributes. He's not even commenting directly on the question of whether Jesus was fully omnipotent or omniscient during his time on earth. Nor is he saying that Christ ever gave up being in the form of God. Rather, Paul is stressing that Christ who had, sorry, that Christ who had all the privileges that were rightly his as king of the universe gave them up to become an ordinary Jewish baby bound to the cross. Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. While he had every right to, to stay comfortably where he was in a position of power, his love drove him to a position of weakness for the sake of sinful mankind. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty so that you by his poverty might become rich. The emptying consisted of his becoming human, not of his giving up any part of his true deity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the way that that passage is often misused, right, by the examples I gave earlier, is refuted in something as simple as using a study Bible. Right. Okay, so you don't need, um, you don't need a degree in biblical studies. You don't need to go to seminary. You don't need a commentary set. You don't need a systematic theology, right? If you have just a good study Bible, it will keep you from making that hermeneutical mistake. Yeah. 
That's yep. my point. And pretty much every study Bible you buy will actually have that particular note in it. Right. Because it is, it's so clear. It's, it's really not debated among theologians uh, that when, when you buy, whether it's an NIV study Bible, NLT study Bible, ESV study Bible, whether it's by Crossway or some other publishing, uh, it's going to have that note explaining that because it is generally known from the beginning of early church time right. that that it didn't mean that he wasn't God because then Jesus goes on throughout his entire three years of ministry claiming to be deity and, and be God. Yeah. And so, no, that's a really good point. Just right there in a, in a study Bible. In fact, <laughs> go on. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make some claim. Like if you, uh, became a patron subscriber or something <laughs> we'll also not not for not, how much not, not the you know the pig skin or whatever over no, there but <laughs> i wouldn't dare <laughs> but uh here's what we'll do um maybe let's let's post a link of the cheapest esv study bible it's like 30 bucks yeah for a hardback yeah and uh and i think they even changed the color from white and orange i think it's a little bit better color huh. it might still be but anyways i know that they used to be white and orange on the front esv study bible uh, $30 and it's, and it's well worth the money. Not oh, only yeah. is it the Bible, but also you get all the top commentator notes as well as the newest, well, at the time, the newest, uh, archeological evidence as well, um, are, is noted in there and it's pretty cool. And anyways, not to talk about the Bible stuff because we kind of already did that, but, uh, that's a good point. Like right there talks about context, what the verse actually means, protects against how it's been taken out of context several times. Yeah. All right there, right in front of you. Right. You you actually have to try at this place we find ourselves in in history to abuse the Bible. Yeah. Like you have especially American Christians have so many resources available to them at their fingertips. Like these these tools have been um, created in such a way that they are so user-friendly, they're so available, right? Anyone can pick them up. I hand these study Bibles to sixth graders mm -hmm. and they use them well, yeah. right? They use them well and they yeah. read their study notes. Um, anyone can pick up one of these study Bibles and start using it to properly interpret scripture in its context, mm -hmm. right? So you have no excuse to have bad hermeneutics at this point. Yeah. So anyways, it, it, it's something that I wanted to point out. I'm going to do it again for the other passage that I have. I'm just going to show you like mm -hmm. over and over. If you just had a good study Bible, you, you would be uh, far less susceptible to bad teaching, right? To false yeah. teachers, um, far, far less susceptible to being um, led by your own emotions when it comes to scripture. I don't want to hear how do I feel about this verse, mm -hmm. right? We need to know what the verse says and then our feelings are affected by the truth. Yeah. So yeah. I'll stop rambling. But no, that's uh, that's that's good. Uh, so briefly explain how it's usually taken out of context, like what they usually use that reference for. Oh, side notes. Pause there for a second. OK. One of the issues that I see fundamentally study Bible or regular Bible. Part of the problem we see is people not reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And so they have no no ability to harmonize scripture together. Right. And so there's these little verses that their friends send them or these proof texts that are sent over topics or, you know, the Bible verse of the day that gets texted to you or whatever. Yeah. And, and people aren't sitting through and over the course of three years reading their Bible through one time. Yeah. Like, and even, and even bad preaching. So, I mean, if you have a steady diet, a steady spiritual diet of topical preaching for a decade, 
right? You're, you're not going to be able to see scripture in context, yeah. right? Because you're not getting the whole picture. You're getting these, these cookie cutter takeaways from different books, different passages, different genres within the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And you're not exactly what you're saying. You're not going to be able to harmonize. Yeah. You're not going to be able to put the whole picture together. And it is tempting. It's tempting to take verses and be like, oh, like, I, I can use this as a proof text for my point on this. And really, that's not what it's saying, but you feel it lends itself to it. And that's like a, that's a preacher phrase, by the way. It lends itself to it. Yeah. Right. right. And, and so then you kind of like are off to the races with whatever. That's also why Cornerstone, at Cornerstone, we typically don't do very many topical series because the danger, there's several dangers. Uh, one is that then you get to pick and choose what you teach about. And then also you begin to like, pull passages and bend them towards what you're trying to teach. And then the tone of your, of your church becomes that of your tone versus letting the Bible set the tone, uh, what the Bible is teaching, let it be taught and let the verses stand for what they mean. Because one of the first things we want to know is context, who wrote it, why they wrote it, who they're writing it to. And with every verse, what is the content and subjects of the, of the verse there? Yep. So, exactly. so, so in short, what is, what is that verse typically, how's it taken out of context? And then what does it actually mean? Oh, so we're back to Philippians. Yeah. You're okay. Right. So normally this is, well, I shouldn't say normally, oftentimes, um, this is taken out of context to mean when, so in verse seven, when he emptied himself, meaning Jesus, right. Um, they will take that to mean that he emptied himself of his godness or his deity, right. That part of his essence and became fully man, um, without deity. Right. Uh, and, and that's a problem because we don't have time to get into Christology. That'll be a whole nother episode. Um, but uh, that is used to then um, say that anything that Jesus did, we should do. Right. And, and are able to do because he didn't do it as God. He did it as a man in right relationship with God, which any Christian should be able to do. Mm-hmm. So then um, things like having a uh, uh, resurrection teams is justified, right? Because Jesus raised people from the dead and he did right. it as a man. So we should be able to do it. Um, and then you get into all kinds of weird things that come working out of that bad theology from one verse, mm-hmm. right? Taken out of context yeah. when really it's a verse about humility, right? The whole, the, or the whole chapter really, uh, Philippians two is talking about humility. Jesus in humility stepped from, uh, where he had a right to stay on the throne, ruling everything and was born in a manger, right? Without giving up his deity and without changing who he was, he added the humanity to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I'm not articulating that well, but that's what we have to land on. Yeah. Otherwise we get to a Jesus that isn't the Jesus of the Bible. Right. Yeah. It'd be that then he's, Jesus is not God. And then is one major Christological issue. Right. Yeah. And then the other issue is that then we think that we can, you know, demand and command healings just as Jesus did because he was just a man in right relation with God. We're just men in a right relation with God. And so then we go and we tell little boys to come out of their caskets and we tell lepers to be healed and we tell the lame to walk. We tell the blind to see and we command it upon, right. you know, our own timeline. And then and, we get confused when those things don't happen. Right. Yeah. And then we start saying, is there something wrong with me? Am I not in right relationship with yeah. God? And it's just, is it because it, I'm sinful? Right. Like I've sinned. There must be some sin in my life. Exactly. Or you weren't healed because there's some sin in your life. Right. Or not enough faith. Yeah. Shoot. So, um, yeah, just an example of how one verse taken out of context can cause so much collateral damage in the world. Yeah. You want me to do both of them or you want to? 
Well, they kind of go together well, but let, let, let me do let me do mine. I'll try okay. to keep it brief. It went a little bit longer than I thought it was going to go. Okay. So I'll just try to keep it brief. Um, here, here's mine. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Verse 5 is going to be the one that you're going to be super familiar with and heard out of context constantly. Um, oh, no, no, sorry. Verse 1 is, and then verse 5 is what I'm going to kind of pound away at. Uh, so here it is, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment that you pronounce you will be judged, and the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What gets quoted often is judge not that you be not judged, right? Mm -hmm. Judge not lest you be judged. I mean, only God can judge me, so. Right. We're we're, we're not to judge, (laughs) we're to love. Right. Right. And so that's what we hear. A lot, and the idea, what what is communicated from this verse then, is that Christians have no place to say that somebody else is right or wrong. Right. That's not our I mean, job. Sorry. That's God's job, and our job is just to love the person where they're at and let God do His work. Right. Yeah. And so that whole theology or doctrine is just corrupt by this one verse because they pull so much out of it and so they read judge not that you be not judged or judge not lest you be judged that like we shouldn't judge we shouldn't be uh, judgmental people we shouldn't be determining what is right or wrong we shouldn't tell somebody they're wrong and so there's no balance around that we just we we don't have our own conscience everything is relative around that and so what you think is right is right and what you think is wrong is wrong and the same for me and i don't judge and in fact, uh, today, somebody used the same phrase in, in my office um, and their context was slightly better, but they're meeting with somebody who's living in sin and they're going to say, hey, man, I'm not here to judge. I'm like, well, kind of. <laughs> yeah. like, like that's why you're chasing yeah. down a brother who's entangled in sin. And the Bible has a lot to say about people entangled in sin and why we go rescue those people. Right. Why, why the Bible tells us to go after them is to rescue them. We make judgment. What you're doing is sinful. The Bible tells me so. Yeah. (laughs) So repent and turn back to God as John the Baptist said, as Jesus said, as the apostles said, and we will continue to say, repent and turn back to God. Well, and judge not lest you be judged doesn't mean that by not judging, you'll escape judgment in the end. Who? Which one? Which person? <laughs> Sorry. So like, There's a dangling so, so, modifier no, 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 somewhere so, there. So what what it's what I'm saying is so the, what I pick up on when people say that is that their their uh, in, their understanding is that as long as I don't judge anyone, God won't gotcha. judge me. Right. Right. So the right. less I am judgmental, the less I'll be judged. Right. And that's not what the scriptures communicate right. at all. Right. Like some they think somehow by staying out of everyone's business, God will stay out of their business. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's let's keep reading though, because context is important. Yep. And uh, so it starts out: Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So there's that warning. And then check this out, verse three. So right now, people are using that verse to say that we shouldn't make any judgments. There shouldn't be no, this is right or this is wrong. There shouldn't be like there's something, uh, you know, there shouldn't be something that's like there's something wrong with you, some some speck in your eye that I need to remove. We shouldn't do that. 
we're not we, we can't judge we can't determine what's right or wrong and so we don't be plucking things out of each other's eye why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and that's the problem right but do but do not notice the log or the plank that is in your own eye or how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye. And so what's being drawn out here is how can you try to help somebody? Because part of how a, how a Christian judges, it's because we want to help, right? We've been given, we're not making up the rules. God has told us these are the things that are right and wrong. And so when we see something wrong, we can say, hey, brother, like that's not right. And so our goal is to help, like removing a speck from somebody's eye. That right. is the Christian judgment, uh, discernment, and interaction. And so... The point here is, why do you try to take a speck out of your brother's eye, you know, and help them when you have something even worse in your own life, in your own eye, right? And, and that's a good point. And so then it goes on to say this, verse five, I'll, I'll read you what verse five doesn't say. Verse five doesn't say, so therefore do not judge or try to help or try to remove the speck from anybody's <laughs> eye, lest you try to with a log in your own eye. This is what it says. First, Take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It's not saying leave the speck. It's not saying don't make a judgment. It's essentially, if you know, this isn't a sermon, so this is going to be very broad, but essentially it's saying Preach. don't judge hypocritically. Yeah. Like, and, and I think that then it makes sense a little bit more as we talk about, you know, the judgment being on yourself as well and the, to the same measure, right? We should be having those same judge, internal judgments of ourselves. Like, am I being obedient? Is this right? Is this wrong? Is this is what is this what a, a Christian follower of Jesus does? And and be removing planks and stuff in our own eye. So then when we have a speck in our own eye, we can have a brother come up and say, Hey, you have a speck in your eye. Let me help you shoulder that and remove that from you and reconcile you to the Father. And we do that for each other also. Out of what? The Bible says this. It's a common thread through the tapestry of the Gospels. We do it with love and patience and kindness and long-suffering, right? All these things. And so it is all for the sake of love and reconciling people back to the loving Father. Let me give you a couple more things. Uh, the context of John seven twenty four is uh, there's a feast of booths, uh, which is in full swing. Jesus goes into the temple to preach in the in the middle ish of the feast, and he addresses that these people uh, were attempting to do right, but what they thought was right was really wrong, and the things that they they were saying were wrong was actually right, and it had to do with healing on the Sabbath again, and Jesus is saying like no like. Uh, God's law is to keep the Sabbath holy and part of keeping the Sabbath holy can contain healing somebody's infirmities on the Sabbath. And you guys got your judgments all wrong. And then it goes on to say this in chapter seven, verse 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. It literally has an affirmative to judge, you know, an imperative, but judge with right judgment. And so how do you reconcile that? How do you harmonize this? How do you get the big picture of what Jesus is trying to teach here? Um, you know, I think that what you'd have to do is be able to read the whole Bible and be able to harmonize the letter together. Just like if I wrote CJ a letter that's two pages long, there, there's going to be a thousand parts that he can take out and it would be completely out of context and mean something totally different. If you took little sound bites of our podcast, you could find crazy things we have said out of, and when you <laughs> yeah. take them out of context, they seem totally crazy. Please don't do that. But in context, they seem com they're, they're completely true or, or good or, you know, profitable in some way. So then uh, additionally, uh, there's a whole book in the Bible called 
judges, by the way. <laughs> and, and the reason it's called judges is there were a people raised up by God to be like the professional judges, right? The more, uh, the more official uh, type judges, kind of like what we have uh, nowadays. And then, well, yeah, even our society likes judges yeah. when, when you're the one getting justice. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mark chapter six, John the Baptist made a judgment against Herod. He said like, Hey, you can't take Herodias as your wife. That's adultery. You're wrong. And he made judgments and, uh, <laughs> Herod's like, I'm gonna do me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and then there's this weird thing where like his stepdaughter's dancing and yeah. we're not sure why he's so excited about it, but he's like, I'll give you everything, anything, just name it. And, uh, Herodias is like, let's get rid of that John the Baptist dude. Anyways, his head gets chopped off on a platter and given, uh, so anyways, uh, but the point is, is that there were judgments made and that those judgments were good judgments. Um, also in Matthew chapter 18, uh, 15 through 17, it's the whole church discipline section that talks about um, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Um, and it goes on and on and on. And essentially for the sake of time, I'll summarize it. Um, it's how to judge, like you've wronged me. You did do something wrong to me or you've done wrong to this other person. And then you go and you confront them on that. So you've had to have made a judgment. And then if he doesn't listen to you or repent or turn from his ways, and it is in fact sin, you're supposed to bring two or three more people with you and do the same thing so that there are multiple people that can say, they can either correct you being like, Hey, that's not wrong. Actually. Um, like he, he's what he said is, or what he did or what she did, or she said is, is right or correct or okay. And you're in the wrong or they can determine, yeah, this you know, this person's right. Like you, this is sinful. You need to repent of that. And then if that doesn't, uh, work, you, um, take it to the church. And then after that doesn't work. And basically this person has said, um, I've heard what God's word has said. I've had loving brothers come and confront it with me, uh, to me and willing to shoulder this stuff and help me walk out of this. And, um, and my church brothers and sisters have been brought into it. And so I've had the overwhelming love and care of the confronting brother and sister saying, Hey man, like you need to kick, uh, you need to repent of this, this sin, turn from these things, you know, and we'll help you in whatever way we can to get you out of this. And they rebel against that. Uh, it says, uh, are you saying that Jesus is asking the whole church to make a judgment against one person? Yeah. For, for the sake of what reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jesus so, said that. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that there's something too. uh, Every time we look at these times where we're supposed to go and confront or somebody wandering, oh, we're going to get to that. Um, anyways, the reason why we are sent after them and to make judgments and to call sin, sin, and to call good, good, is because uh, our hope is to reconcile, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it's because we really do love and care. And think about this. Uh, there was uh, an atheist uh, that said, um, he, he said, I, I, I'm not a Christian, and I don't believe this or that and name some things he said, but, um, he's like, there was this guy that came up to me, um, after one of my shows, he was a performer. He said, after one of my shows, uh, this Christian came up to me and said, Hey, you know, I had a good time with you. Great show. And he's like, I just want to give you this, this Bible. And just, I think it was just the new Testament. And, uh, he, and the guy went on to tell him a little bit about who Jesus is. And he's like, you know, he's like, he's like, I'm not saying he converted me there. He goes on to say, but you know, I saw something true there. It was because if somebody really believed that if I don't believe in Jesus and place my faith in Christ alone, that I'm going to be in the eternal torments of hell for eternity. If somebody really believed that and they didn't come and tell me about it, yeah. what kind of loving person is that? Right. And that person was making a judgment that what you're believing ends in the eternal torments of hell. 
And I got something better for you. It's Jesus Christ. Yeah. So anyways, there's a whole, um, in Matthew 18, it talks about a whole church going after somebody after they're made a judgment that this is right or, or this is wrong. And, and they go after the person um, in a loving way. Titus 3.10 says, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Um, as for the person who stirs up division, after warning him, so after you've made a judgment that this person is doing something that the Bible uh, forbids, then you go and warn them once and then twice, and then have nothing more to do with them. I mean, this is serious stuff. Yeah. And I think the reason why I can be okay with Titus 3.10 is because... We're talking about the king of the universe, right? If it was for me, that would be weird, right? If it was just like, uh, if people were making these decisions based on my thoughts and, and, and what I think is right and wrong, yeah, that'd be weird. But when the That's king- That's a cult. Is, <laughs> <laughs> That's what that is. Yeah. But when the king of the universe says it, it's like, yeah, he says, hey, that person's certain division. I'm the king of the universe. Yeah. I don't think division is good over these certain things, you know, genealogies and controversies, right? And it's all um, that kind of like small talk that divides. Uh, warn him once, warn him again because you're a gracious person and then have nothing more to do with him. And so then we're like, okay. And then James 5, 19 through 20 says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, so somebody goes after that person, it's the wandering sheep, you go after him, right? It's the it's the one is gone and lost and- There's uh, a controversial song about this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's only controversial because of one word. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It says, let him who- uh, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And the idea is this, that you would have to decide that this person is a sinner. Mm-hmm. You'd have to make that judgment. Yeah. So like, based on what, like what, what is the evidence that you would look to? Right. So, I mean, it's God's commands. It's his word. He sets the standard for what is good, right, and wrong. <clears throat> And so based upon those things, that's how I live my life. I've decided that I believe the Bible is true, first off. No, no, no. I mean, so you said you would have to det- you would have to come to a judgment that that person's not saved. Right. Right. So what are some evidences oh. that you could see? Oh, gotcha. Um, that would help you determine that person may not be saved. Gotcha. So uh, their lack of a confession of faith. Okay. Uh, their their behavior, their, their, their talk, what they say they believe, what they say they don't believe. Um, the unrepentant nature of the conflict, mm. right? And so, and to be honest, like just to level with with you, uh, you know, CJ and I are working with someone right now that's that's ha- has had been living in unrepentant sin, and so we're very very familiar with uh, this situation. And um, and yeah, when somebody's living in unrepentant sin, and you you spend a long time uh, preaching and caring, and there's and it's just such a hard heart. There's no change. Um, in the end, I don't know if this person's saved or not. Um, but, uh, the, the evidences would show that he's not. And what we have done is we've been like, well, we're not sure, but we're going to go after him because he had claimed to be. And so because of our own theology, (laughs) we, we go, we go after this guy and, uh, and all for the sake of reconciliation. We don't think we're going to save him, but we think that uh, God uses his people to expedite his plans. And so we're doing that. So you're saying that even someone who claims to be a Christian, Mm -hmm. um, their, their confession of faith could be invalidated by continued habitual unrepentant sin over a period of time. Um, and that may be used as evidence uh, for you to make a judgment as to whether you need to start evangelizing that person. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Good. And so uh, long story short, this verse is used to say that like nobody should be in each other's business. 
if you think something's wrong, you have no place to say it to me. Mm-hmm. And that's just not what the Bible says. And I think I've proved that clearly that Christians are called into making judgments against each other um, out of love. I think what we're warned against, and I'll just use this one passage. So I think the process of making those judgments, there's a bunch of warnings and cautions in scripture actually. So if you are going to make a judgment against somebody, um, there's a lot of things that you're supposed to take with you to that and a lot of positions you're supposed to put yourself in first. But one of them, I think just from the Matthew one is, is that you don't do it hypocritically. You know, if you're not willing to allow that same judgment into your life, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be making judgments against other people. Um, and then I think that there's another one, uh, don't make uh, the John 4, 7, 24, don't make judgments based on appearances. Sometimes things look a little funky when they're not. And sometimes things look okay when they're not. And so yeah. we don't make judgments just on appearances. You know, I think the uh, the godly standard has been typically that you go and confront the issue yourself. And then what's the next step? You bring others in with you, right? So that you take other like-minded Christian people who uh, submit themselves to scripture then to go and to help mediate this. Because I might be wrong in confronting somebody. I, and they might say, no, like, Brian, like, this isn't actually wrong that they're doing this. You you have misjudged this. Right. And then I can be corrected. I um, mean, another, another sin of, or another way to sin in judging would be, I think, the sin of partiality. Like, uh, James oh, talks yeah, about, yeah. like, hey, don't, he was kind of correcting uh, this church because he's like, hey, don't give people who you think are rich and dressed nicer better seats at church. Yeah. Right? Don't put them up front just because they look a certain way or because they give a certain amount or whatever, mm-hmm. like don't show partiality. And so that could be another way that yeah. judging can go awry. Yeah. yeah, sure. Absolutely. So what's your, uh, so anyways, I think I conclude that one. Well, like what it typically, um, is used for out of context and what it actually means in context is, is to be careful against judging hypocritically and also the caution against that. Like if, if you judge somebody sternly, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that you're, you're going to, you should expect to be judged sternly as well. Yeah. So what's the next one you got? Okay. Um, so it's not the one that I told you I was going to have. I no. decided to change it. But um, the, the second one that I had is Galatians um, 3, 23 through 29 is the section that I'm going to read. But really, it's the whole chapter is, is what's going to give the context. Uh, Paul is talking about the law and the promise of the gospel um, and contrasting those two things against each other. And the, the verse that I want to look at specifically um, is verse 28 which let me pull it up here. Um, It says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you all. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And then 29. And if you are Christ and you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, I have seen this verse used to validate so many things that are wrong. Um, Anything from same-sex marriage um, to arguing for um, there should be no uh, special qualifications for male or female when it comes to being Mm -hmm. an elder or a pastor in a church because there's no male or female, right? We're all one in Christ. Um, If there's no male or female, then that means gender doesn't matter, which means that I could marry a man if I wanted to, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I've seen this uh, used to argue that we shouldn't even have church leadership structures or government structures because we're all one in Christ. And to say that someone's an elder or a ruling elder is to make them above me. And now we're not one in Christ, right? 
we're not equals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just so many different ways that I've seen this verse um, taken out of context mm-hmm. and misused. And you know what? I believe again that it is put in its correct place upon reading the whole Bible. Yeah. Like literally the things you listed. So it's, it's just came to my attention actually that it's been used in the, uh, the gender debate in the last like two months. And it was on one of the uh, Facebook pages that oh. I like lurk around and watch yeah. the arguments and stuff. The synagogues of Satan <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just horrific. And I saw that verse used and it's so hard for me not to like attack it as a proof text because it's, it's such a horrible excuse of one because it is communicating, communicating something very real and true. Mm-hmm. But if you actually read just like, just read the Bible, you'll understand, you'll understand what it means because you will also know these other values that, that God has and has said. And so then in light of that, we call it harmonizing. You're harmonizing scripture together. You, you see the truth come out of it and it's not complicated. It's not confusing, you know? Right. So anyways, go on. Sorry. No, no, you're good. Um, so what this passage is talking about is that we are one in Christ. So it's really getting to the doctrine of justification, right? That right. we are united to God through what Christ has done and nothing else. So we are one in Christ. Um, he's also touching on the idea how now the gospel and the kingdom goes out to the Gentiles, right? It's not restricted to the Jewish nation. Um, it's not talking about church governments. It's not talking about the order of a church service. It's not talking about marriage right? Those things are not on the table in this discussion. Mm -hmm. This is big idea theology that Paul is getting at. And so what I wanted to do is again, I'm just going to read out of my study Bible, right? The same study Bible. Okay. The answer is both of these texts that people often take. Link will be in the description below. (laughs) You need a study Bible (laughs) and every, I really believe everyone should have one. Like you can be obviously be a Christian without a study Bible, but there's no reason to not have a study Bible. You get people that have spent their life studying the word of God uh, that have credentials and also have been approved and vetted than being able to help us understand different portions of the Bible all right in there. Right. It's like, it's an, it's like having for you mechanics, it's like having an impact wrench, but you're still using, uh, you know, extension bar. Right. It's like, use the impact. Like an idiot. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That was me like two months ago. (laughs) (laughs) My knuckles hurt. You got a breaker bar? Well, I have an air compressor and an impact (laughs) I'd rather spend like $400 on an air compressor and tools and not bust my knuckles anymore. I tell people when they get there, when when they're looking at getting an air ratchet or an impact wrench, I'm like, like, it's literally, you'll never not have one again. Yeah, it's hard to go back. It's it's almost like magic when you hit the trigger. Okay. Okay. So this is what the study notes say in the ESV study Bible for uh, Galatians 3.28. The fact that the Mosaic law has been left behind in the old age means that in the new creation, the distinction between Jew and Gentile is broken down. Certainly, these Galatians do not have to become Jews in order to become Christians. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female does not imply that there are no distinctions in how these groups should act. For Paul elsewhere commands slaves, bond servants, and masters differently and husbands and wives differently. Paul clearly is not advocating the elimination of all distinctions, nor the acceptability of same-sex marriage or homosexual relations. Rather, he teaches that old divisions and wrongful attitudes of superiority are inferior and inferiority are abolished. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. He does not take away the distinction between men and women, but says they are united, joined together in one body, the church. The verse teaches unity within diversity, but not sameness. Unity within diversity, but not sameness. That's the key sentence at the end. That is what is being taught here. 
that inside the kingdom of God, there are men and women. Inside the kingdom of God, there are Jews yeah. and Greeks. Right? Because if you read the whole Bible, you'd read in Genesis <laughs> that he made them that way. <laughs> exactly. So it's not saying that now we're all just like homogenized into this one thing, yeah. right? It's saying that there's this beautiful diversity under the umbrella of the kingdom. Yeah. It's not talking about removing distinctions in marriage. It's not talking about move, removing distinctions in church government. Mm -hmm. It's not what it's talking about. Yeah. Right? And, and Otherwise, what, Paul is contradicting himself. Right. Yeah. Well, I think what's, what's important, the reason I get frustrated, okay, so like rubber meets the road here. Uh, it's not surprising to me at all that people struggle with drunkenness, that people struggle with you know, being a thief or people struggle with lying or people struggle with homosexuality or people even struggle with their gender identity. That, mm -hmm. that part doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, because I think that those are struggles that, uh, that we're going to have things like that and those same things until Jesus returns. Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't surprise me, actually. It doesn't surprise me that abortion is a huge conversation right now uh, because it, it just doesn't surprise me. What is frustrating to me is not those things necessarily that we struggle with them. That's not surprising. What is frustrating to me in this moment right now is that we have these conversations with people who have been two things. One, some have been just led away, led astray by false teachers. Right. And even there's, so I, I, uh, I had a friend who was, uh, struggling with homosexuality. And so he asked me to kind of like help mentor him. And so, uh, I did. And what that man needed is somebody just to just to stick to the truth. That's a, that's what he was asking me to do is stick to the truth and, and confront him and guide him the best that I can. And he needed someone to make a right judgment. Exactly. And what he what he literally didn't want me to do was cave. Yeah. Because there were so many people around him that were caving and, and quoting verses like that as references and stuff. And he knew they weren't right because his, his issue was like, it's not like, well, somebody please convince me that God said something different. He knows what God said. His struggle is that he's, he's literally physically, mentally for him, chemically, like, like everything about him, he would say he's, he's attracted uh, to, to men and he knows, and he knows that it is sinful. And so he is practicing celibacy and I cannot imagine the battle that that man will have to do until the day that he dies. Right. And so he's asking for accountability in that. What he doesn't need is somebody to, you know, water down something or use a wrong uh, proof text or to bend scripture. He didn't want that. And so I think that some people early on look back and wish somebody would have said before they're way down this road and have adopted kids and marriage and things like that, before they're way down that road, somebody say, hey, this is what the Bible says. And it's very clear. Like, let's read this together. Let's study this together. And, uh, and so and I've heard that multiple times as well. And so that's part of what's frustrating is that these things are very clear in scripture. And sometimes people enjoy muddying the waters intentionally to create something that appears to be confusing when it's not. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it's just, it's disruptive to every process of knowing God. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say that, um, I mean, I think this is it for me, but, uh, that bad theology uh, can be deadly in this life and the next. Um, it can have real life practical consequences now. Um, it can have eternal consequences after this life. And to be like, like I've already said before, to be in a position where we have so many tools um, at our disposal, even some that are free, there's free online resources. Like what's the one that you, you recommended before? Biblehub.com. Biblehub.com, right? Yeah. Super simple, but a great free resource with commentaries and study notes and different translations of the Bible. And 
I mean, we're just in such a place where there's no excuse for bad theology. There's no reason to be taking things out of context. You have no reason to not be double checking what people are teaching you, right? Even your own pastors, mm-hmm. you should be double checking things that they're saying. Um, take advantage of these tools. Otherwise yeah. you can hurt yourself. You can hurt the people around you and it can cost you your life eternally. Yeah. Let me conclude with one. It looks like we got about five, 10 minutes left here. Let, let me do my best. This is Philippians 4.13. Uh, this is a verse that is taken out of context. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, or I can do all <laughs> things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And uh, and and typically people use this, like um, they'll put it on Nike shoes, right? So like maybe you can like run a race better, like or when you're really like bogged down or your your muscles are really fatigued from your from your run for the last couple hours that, um, you from know, your bulk session. Yeah. 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 Like you're all swole out there, like trying to run around and, <laughs> and you're like, you, and, and you, you think about like, man, I'm really struggling right now with, with running quickly. And so, and you think it like somebody says, Hey man, Philippians four thirteen. <laughs> and I actually have an example. I want to use it, but I have an you example. You just made me sadder. <laughs> somebody literally said that to me in the middle of, um, a mandated workout I was involved in. I came over and tried to encourage me by saying, Philippians 4.13 while I was doing push-ups and uh, literally just <laughs> just crushed me. <laughs> so, and, and so and so people use it to get them through races, to get them through the day, to get them through a tough meeting, to, to get them, uh, you know, through a family gathering, you know, or something like that. And, um, and so let me read you some of the context. This is Philippians 4.10 through 13. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length... You have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me. You have had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we went out a little bit like a ring out. You know, if you have a bullseye, right? And say the bullseye is 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Which, which actually, hermeneutically, uh, that might be the center of the bullseye or at least close to it. Um, so we go ring out and we're like, oh, like, you know, he's talking about he's, he is struggling and he's talking to the church, church in Philippi and that they have had concern for him, haven't helped in certain circumstances, but they had no opportunity. And, and when they have had opportunity, they were there and they're supporting him. And he's like, I've learned to be content in whatever situation, whether brought low or high or whether I'm abounding uh, or not, uh, or whether I'm facing plenty or I'm hungry or I have abundance or I'm in need and that he is satisfied in Christ. And that's what he's teaching. So then we go further out. Paul is the one writing this, and we go to the next ring out. Paul's writing this. He is imprisoned. He's literally thinking at this moment, because early in Philippians chapter 1, he's, he, he, well, I'll read it in a second, but he thinks he, he, this may be the end of his life. He may be dying because of persecution now. He's imprisoned in a horrible condition, uh, being tortured and persecuted. And then uh, we look at this. I've been, you know, when things are good and when things are bad and when uh, I'm hunger, hungry and when I am full and when I have a lot and when I have very little, when I, when I am in need and when I am not, I can do all things through uh, Christ who strengthens me. And he's sitting in prison thinking he might die, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so, so this isn't talking about Monday mornings. This isn't talking about Monday mornings. So go to Philippians chapter one, verses 18 through 26. It says, what then? 
uh, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Keep in mind, he's in prison, right? He's being tortured, he's being persecuted, he's on the verge of death, and he says that. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through the, your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, this will turn out for my deliverance in one way or another, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death for to me to live is christ and to die is gain and it goes on and on and on it goes on in verse 23 to say i'm hard pressed between death and life Mm -hmm. right and then not running out of iced coffee not running out of iced coffee and then we get to the passage we read right where he's talking you know he's like he's he's knocking on death's door not sure which way it's gonna go and i've learned to be content in these things and i just want christ to be proclaimed and uh whether it is through good circumstances or bad circumstances or abundance or need or plenty or hungry i can do all things through christ who strengthens me and then i think how dare you put that on a nike shoe Mm mm-hmm and so, so I can't say this when I lose my 10 millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, exactly. Okay. Uh, it's great. Like, no, when I'm doing push ups, because, you know, I'm in a, in a program that they're making me do push ups. No, man, that's not the, not the right proof text for that. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what it's about. It's about a, a person that is on a mission to glorify God and he's being persecuted to the point where he's tortured and going to be killed. And he's saying that, you know what, to, uh, to, to live is for Christ and to die is gain because I'm with him. And in the end, everything's about Jesus. And I can do this because everything that I do is for Christ. And whether I die in this, this doesn't mean that you're going to do well, right? Like by, by secular standards, he may die. And then he says, even if I die, like it's good because I'm gaining Christ. And if I live, yeah. it's for his glory. And I can do all these things because people are like, how, what atrocious circumstances he's in. How is he possibly surviving? How does he get through this? And there's other people being persecuted and they're saying, how does he get through this? How does he live? How does he not take his own life? And then he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not about pushups. It's not about coffee. It's not about the 10 millimeters. It's not about pushups. Yeah. It's about living in persecution for, for the sake of Christ. So Jesus might leave you the slowest person on the team yep. for the rest of your life. Yeah. Just like he might leave Paul and that person to die. Yep. So that's the reality of that verse sucker. Dude, that's, that's good. <laughs> that's good. So that's, uh, that's my last example. We got to wrap up. We're at 58 minutes here. We Perfect. try to keep them under an hour. So anyways, again, we'll put the link for the ESV study Bible as well as our Patreon account. Again, well, what was the deal that you were going to offer with the study Bible? <laughs> the deal right now is well, I'm just going to put the link down <laughs> CG out of his own money will pay for it. (laughs) No, just heavily encourage that. Just it's, it's money well spent. Uh, We'll put the Patreon account information in uh, where we can as well. So if you'd like no pressure, Um, if you're strapped for cash, let the people who aren't carry this channel for us, you know, don't don't worry about that. If you can't do that, another great way to support the channel um, and and the content that we're producing is to share, to like, to subscribe um, on iTunes. It really helps if we have good reviews that are left. So send the podcast link to your friends, you know, just say, Hey, take a listen to this, you know, find one that you like that, you know, your friends would appreciate, you know, don't just spam them with our stuff. But (laughs) anyway, so we, uh, we appreciate all the support, whether it's by emails that we've been getting or people coming up and talking to us, or we even spotted one of our uh, C28 stickers, I think, over in uh, the neighboring city. So Out in the wild. Out, out in the wild, Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, thanks for all the support, guys. Hopefully this has um, encouraged you and edified you in some way, and we'll see you again in another week.